the sisterhood of the bottomless mimosa. Hey, CJ. Hey, Melissa. How are you? I'm great. Um, so we're back again. I'm Melissa. That's CJ. And this is the sisterhood of the bottomless mimosa. Woohoo! Welcome. Woohoo! Thanks for joining us for our fifth episode. Um, please subscribe to our podcast and leave reviews if you have nice things to say. If you don't have nice things to say, then just move on. Yeah, you don't have to be here. You also don't need to leave your two cents if you're a dick. Yeah, please don't. Uh, please don't. We really we really need these ratings to be high. So if you could just moonwalk out of here if you don't like it. Uh, what's going on? Any updates before we launch into the wine review? Um, I wouldn't say an update, but I do have, you know, a great story to tell you that occurred this morning um, uh, at the garage sale that I was hosting. Mm. Um, you can, I mean, you can kind of assume that when you have a garage sale and you post things on Craigslist, you can expect a very diverse group of interesting creatures to arrive to your premises (laughs) and um fiddle with all of your belongings and so my sister and I put this garage sale on and of course she was like in the house doing something while I was outside of the house sort of like maintaining the grounds and this guy like gets out of his car he parks across the street gets out of his car he like makes it literally to the sidewalk, which like after the sidewalk is her lawn where all of our things are. And he like immediately sh- shoots two massive snot rockets like out of both nostrils, right? <laughs> like like right in front of me, like on like the ground where the garage sale is in front of her house. Oh my god. Did you say <laughs> anything? Well, I was like partially in shock and then I was just like so morbidly disgusted that I like was just like almost starstruck I couldn't even understand what was happening and then I just started getting like horrifying flashbacks to me having to like commute through Chinatown fish market and like having to dodge those snot rockets while I walked to work in North Beach and I was like, I just couldn't believe it. And so she comes outside and I go up to her and I'm like, dude, that fucking guy just like literally launched the most extreme snot rockets like on the ground in front of your house. And she's like, ew, what? What are you talking about? And she's like, we're both disgusted. And then 10 minutes later, she goes back in the house to get something else. And the motherfucker does it again. Ew. <laughs> And then as he's walking back to his car, he finishes off with two more. What? First of all, dude, what cocaine are you snorting that you are constantly NASA liftoffing out your nose? (laughs) Also, you know, I do want to, like, lessons learned. This was a great opportunity for you to upsell him. You could have, like, grabbed a napkin and been like, do you need this? That's $1.25. Oh my god, that's disgusting. It was really, really, really horrible. And it's just like, how do you get through life doing things like that in public with zero shame? Like, it's just absolutely disgusting. That's so gross. I I don't understand. 
Like, at what point he thought that this was the appropriate setting to start firing snot out of his nose? What I am interested to know is, does he do that in, like, brick-and-mortar shops? Or is this only (laughs) something he does at garage sales? (laughs) Fucking, because, like, I bet you he does it inside, too. Oh, God. So gross. (laughs) He's probably, like, also one of those people, like, blows his nose on his sleeve and then, like, wears it all day. Or, like, coughs without covering his mouth. That is my biggest pet peeve. And people just, like, cough into a loaded bus as if they're announcing a wedding engagement. I'm like, what? Like, who raised these people? Jesus. Yeah. He's definitely a guy that, like, will go pee and, like, not wash his dick hand. Like, he's certainly (laughs) that guy as well. I just, I kind of assume that's every guy, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, I don't, can I, like, I, I... like almost never wash my hands after I use the restroom guys just want to put it out there you are should are we gonna have to edit that out no dude that's how you keep your immune system strong (laughs) oh my god (laughs) science oh my god you and snot man need to hang out (laughs) just have a great time so gnarly well um well thank you so much for sharing that with our audience and that was just a special fun fact for episode five just you know something i thought we should throw in there to celebrate no snot rockets y'all it ain't cute or at least like blow it into it into a napkin at least like do it in your car before you get out right right So yeah, that was my that was my exciting morning, and that was at like seven a.m. with no coffee, and like I do uh, not wake up that early. I'm like I'm like miserable at ten o'clock to wake up. So you could only imagine how grouchy I was that early. Is that like do you have to start garage sales early? Is that a thing? Yeah, those motherfuckers show up at the house before you're even done setting up. <laughs> like the grass is still wet outside. Like, that's how early it is. Every The grass is still wet. It's dark. There's, like, only birds cawing. It's just, like, it looks like the apocalypse, and you're out there in the pitch black setting up fucking, like, old jeans and shit. Mm, nothing. Did you make money? Did you make good money? I did. We made okay. we made $400 split oh, it in wow. half. That's great for a garage sale. That's Yeah, it was pretty good. That's awesome. Great work. Yeah. Woohoo. Um, I don't have, like, I certainly don't have anything that rivals that particular adventure. Um, I don't really have anything. I'm moving. Um, so that's exciting. I'm looking for a place. Woohoo. Um, if I had any belongings, I would probably have a garage sale. But because I don't own anything, it's going to take me a grand total of 12 minutes to move into a new place. So legit um so unfortunately no snot rocket men will come visit me but <laughs> bummer I know, I know i feel like those southern guys have better manners than that though anyway uh i mean i guess it depends on the guy but yeah like southern hospitality southern manners are definitely a thing um but so is like southern bigotry and all kinds oh, yeah. of weird <laughs> weird behaviors oh, yeah. down here it's an interesting place the swamp very interesting place um let's do the wine review because i don't have anything to top that story all right well what are you what are you drinking so i you know i have to apologize and i am maybe actively courting sponsorship from this company but i'm drinking a wine that i've previously reviewed it's the daisy pinot grigio blend that's from washington state 2016 um those of you who have listened to our past episodes will know that i was seduced by this wine when they had it on sale at the whole foods as i like to call the whole paycheck 
And uh, and now they only ever sell it at full price at $17 a bottle, and they hooked me in, and I buy it every time. Um, and that's why I'll never own a home. But... <laughs> It's, I don't, you know, I can't even lie, like, I know what wine notes are, but it's, like, bright and floral, I assume, because the name is Daisy. And I really, really like it, and it's really great on, like, hot summer days, even though it's not quite summer yet. It's hot here in New Orleans, so I threw it in a glass with some ice cubes, as is my classy-ass style. Um, Daisy, at this point, like, you should just be sponsoring this podcast, because I've sung your praises multiple times, so... Just let us know anytime. I I need to try this wine out because yeah, if it's, it's good really enough good. for you to drink it twice in only five episodes, it must be really great. It's good. I'm also just a creature <laughs> of habit, honestly, when it comes to wine. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to start mixing it up for the show. Are you a red drinker or just white? Mostly just white. I'd only I'll only drink red at like a dinner if it's paired with a with a yeah. meal. Because it makes me sleepy. It kind of just makes me yeah. really sleepy. White doesn't do that. I want to be perked up and ready to get fucked up. So, Well, also, like, with white, I feel like it's so easy to drink that you are allowed to sit back on your couch and slam the whole bottle. Where, like, red is tougher to drink with yeah. all those, like, tannins and totally. kind of it's a little bit heavier. Yeah. Um, and if you, if you slam a bottle of red, like, you're the fucking Hulk. Hell like, that's no. wild. Yeah, no, no. Um, so, did we have we talked before on this podcast about my experience drinking almost like a gallon of Carlo Rossi in one night? Pretty much ruined red wine for me forever. Although, to be fair, that's barely wine. It's fruit punch. Yeah. Uh, kids, don't do it. It's not worth it. Just spend the extra seven dollars and buy real wine. Your Wait, was it like one you. of those giant glass bottles? It was yes, like the jug. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I drank it with a couple of people, but I still had probably most of that bottle because that's how I rolled back in the day. Yep. Um, we used to, we used, this is so gross. I don't know if other people do this. We used to mix it with Dr. Pepper Ugh. and we called it Dr. Rossi. <laughs> I don't know. One of my friends Ugh. just started doing that. And then we did, cause it was so disgusting. The Dr. Pepper would overpower I mean, Dr. Pepper is also disgusting, but it would overpower how gross the wine was, and we would just kind of cancel each other out. It was so gross, you guys. Oh, that is gnarly. You do what you have to do when you're poor in your 20s. This is true. This is true. Mm, we'll never be reviewing Carlo Rossi on this podcast. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. That's so gross. <laughs> Desperate times. You never know. <laughs> what are you drinking? Um. So it's... Funny because, like, how you're accidentally re-reviewing an old wine. I almost picked one of your old wines, um, mm -hmm. Prophecy. I tell you, like, if you, as long as you slap a good label on it, I'm like a fucking fly to shit. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't help myself. And I was like, wait a second, tarot card, Prophecy. Oh yeah, CJ did this next. So I had to move my way out of the Pinot Grigios over to the Sauvignon Blancs. And I found this wine that I was obviously drawn to because it had a snazzy label, but also it's from Sonoma County, and it's like, I literally praise anything that involves Northern California. <laughs> um, so this wine is called Storyteller, mm. and it features a bunch of these like little... Um, stick figurine people doing all these ac activities like riding a bike, holding a balloon, planting a flower, riding a skateboard, walking a dog, 
Like, you can kind of see it. Um, But the best part is that I think the name of it... So, like, the, the, the brand is Storyteller, but the name of the wine is About Last Night. <laughs> and you're like, this really calls to me. Yeah, it, it just <laughs> seems so fitting for me that I'm like, yeah, this is, like, wh- what I should be drinking every Sunday afternoon because it just makes sense. How is it? Um, but anyway, on to, like, what it actually tastes like. It's really good. So it's like very light and crisp and it has like fruity notes to it. The bottle claims it has hints of pineapple. I haven't really caught on to that yet, but I feel like a lot of those like flavor profiles typically come out more when you're pairing it with other stuff. Like Mm -hmm, when I'm mm -hmm. just sitting here in my pitch black vampire apartment drinking this, like I can't really kick into that pineapple world. (laughs) It's, like, more about the ambiance and the setting and where you're at and what you're eating. Um, Totally. But it's bomb. I will definitely be drinking this again. Okay. And it was cheap. I think it was, well, not, like, as cheap as I normally go, like, $4, but it was, I think it was, like, $12. You might as well just be shoplifting at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Where did you get it? Where did you get it? I got it at Ralph's. Okay. And I, I, like, never go to Ralph's, but I went there to go pick up um, some outdoor patio furniture, and I was like, hey, let's check out their wine selection. Nice. Um, but another thing I was thinking when I was actually looking for a bottle today, I was like, fuck, this is really going to suck for our actual winos out there, considering the fact that I hate Chardonnay, and there will never be one wine review for Chardonnay on my end for the entire existing life of this podcast. I also fucking hate Chardonnay. I hate, hate, hate Chardonnay. I hate it with all of my soul. I hate when you go places that don't really, quote, serve wine, and they always have a standard red and a standard white, and the standard white is always Chardonnay. Always Chardonnay. And it is, like, the oakiest, nastiest wine. I just don't, uh, 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 uh. No. Uh, uh. Not a fan Uh -uh. of the Shardy. Not the Shardy. Not a fucking fan. No, Um, so we will never review your Chardonnay. Sorry, guys. I mean, but this is an idea. Uh, Since CJ and I both hate Chardonnay, if there's any of you out there that, like, literally will die for a bottle of Chardonnay and you have a flavor profile type or a certain bottle or a certain winery or whatever, let us know because if we're missing out on something, we need to know about it. And it can't so, be, yeah. don't make it oaky or I will have no choice but to fight you and and drink it because I bought it. So then I'll have to drink it. All right. So yeah, let us know. Let us know what you think of our wine review. If you have any feedback, any tips, any um, complaints, just any kidding. Complaints. Um, suggestions. Yeah, definitely suggestions. Or if you want to send us um, some samples of your wine, that would also be acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Again, don't forget, you can contact us at sisterhood at gmail.com. Yes. <laughs> I always forget that email address, too. Um <laughs> And if you have any suggestions on how to make Carlo Rossi taste better than by just mixing it with Dr. Pepper, there are millions of college students across this country who need this information. So please let exactly. us know. Please let us know. Fuck, right. are we ready? We're ready. I don't know why I had to throw a fuck in there. Just because I'm cares? a sailor. Fuck it. Um, oh, my God. 
I'm about to cry. So my woman, I, I honestly, I have to say this, and you're going to kill me because I know your moon is in Sagittarius and you're a Virgo. There is a very high chance I will cry at some point in this episode just because this woman is like so incredible and so inspiring. And I just got done literally 10 minutes before we started this watching a documentary about her and I cried for like an hour and a half straight. So I'm going to try to hold it together. But uh, did you say that I might hate you because I have no feelings? Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> okay, just make it. I was I was trying to like Gemini it by not directly saying it, but just throwing out some other words in the hopes that you would get distracted. But yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I have no tear ducts in my eyes, <laughs> and I also don't have a heart. So, and the only reason she doesn't have either of those things is because she cut them out. <laughs> no, exactly with my fucking claw fingernails. Hell yeah, girl. Shit. They're All not right, useful. well, slap it at me. All right, so today I'm going to be talking about, and I'm curious to know if you know who she is, a w- amazing woman by the name of Miss Major Griffin Gracie or Miss Major. Okay. No. It's, I thought you may only know just because of our SF State days, so she is like the OG trans activist. Like, oh, fucking G. And I'm not going to go, in this episode, I'm not going to really do, like, a chronological journey through her life. I'm just going to talk about some of the amazing things that she's done. So she, first, as I love this, anytime I find this, she, her birthday, I'm not going to tell you the day, but is, the birth year is probably 1940, but it's up for debate. And again, I just think that is the most mysterious, intriguing thing ever. (laughs) And in the documentary I just watched about her, which is called Major, it's directed by Annalise Ophelian, and I highly recommend you can watch it on Amazon Prime for free. Um, well, it's not free if you have to pay for Prime, but you can see it on Amazon Prime. Highly recommend it. Be prepared to get emotional, but it's so, so good. In that documentary, Miss Major herself says, she's like, I have like six birthdays, and I don't really know how old I am, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Whatever that even means. That's awesome. So she's born in 1940 in the south side of Chicago. So fill in the blanks as you will. She grew up in a middle class family. Her father worked for the post. This is according to an article by Mil- Mila Madison, BT Debs in the Maven. Um, her father worked for the post office. Her mother ran a beauty shop. Her birth given name is actually Major. Like that's what her mother named her. Is it spelt like how we understand major to be yep. spelt? Yep. Okay. Her birth given name is Major Gracie. And so there is this article, again, this is from Mila Madison or Mila, sorry if I'm saying that wrong, on the maven.net. Um, and I didn't hear Miss Major say this in her documentary, but I'm hoping it's true because it's in this article. Her mother named her major because a psychic advised her mother that her child would need strength. So she named her her son originally major. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, which I just think is so rad. So she, as far as anyone can tell, as far as she tells the story, she like immediately knew that she was not a dude. Like, it just Mm -hmm. never quite fit for her. And around the age of 12, she came out to her parents. But there wasn't, like, a word. There wasn't, like, trans wasn't a term back then. It was just, like, I'm different. I don't think I'm supposed to be a boy. Um, Her parents, they didn't take very well to it. Made her see psychiatrists. Took her to church. All that jazz. Um, And 
eventually at the age of 16 after she graduates high school she leaves for minnesota so she goes from chicago to minnesota and now all of a sudden i'm doing this chronological even though i said that i wouldn't but it's going to change in a second so she goes to minnesota to go to college this fucking made me so mad she goes to minnesota to go to college and she's in a dorm and she's going to classes like dressed as a guy but she has this sort of like whole secret life where she's you know presenting as the female that she feels like she is and her roommate like outs her finds her dresses outs her to the whole dormitory and then she gets kicked out of school and then she goes yeah because it's like the 50s or whatever. Well, and yeah, people... and they were probably thinking of it as like, you're a pervert. Totally. You have, you're a man with women's clothing. You're like a threat. All that bullshit. And yeah. she, uh, sorry, let me back up. I, I should say, I should have said this from the start. Miss Major is a black woman who is like six foot two. Okay, so oh, wow. a very, very like large, very obvious, like can't hide away <laughs> kind of person. She gets kicked out of that college. I don't know what college it was. She didn't say. And then she gets kicked out of another college, which like I, I just wanted to bring that up as a way to be like, <sighs> because we're going to get into the fact that she was like a sex worker and had to commit a lot of petty thefts and just did whatever she had to do to get by. Keep in mind as I'm talking about all that, that this is someone who was trying to take a traditional, quote unquote, traditional route through life and was just denied that privilege. Like she tried to go to college. She graduated high school young and they were like, you're a fucking freak. Get out of here. And that's done. And I don't like it. So she ends up making her way to New York City in the late, I think it was like the 60s or 70s. So that's like the place to fucking be in general at that time. It was super happening. And she starts working as a, as a prostitute, basically. She starts hooking because that's when you are, this is something that came up again and again when I was researching her, when you are especially at that time, someone who's trans or very outwardly different. And like given her stature and how big she was, it was very obvious that she was not a biological woman. And she talks about the fact that you have to operate outside of the law because you need to make money, you need to get by, you need to eat, you need to sleep. Back in those days, and even today in many places, you can't get employment when you're looking like that. So you kind of yeah. just have to do informal economics, like street economics, right? But it's, it's funny because she talks about her time hooking, like in mostly positive terms. She was like, oh yeah, we were like out there making money in the 70s in New York City. Like there was money well, to be she made. Was. She was right. like, oh, you don't like what I'm doing? Okay, well, look at, look at my pockets. Right. This is something she does. Like sex work is something she appears to do on and um, in and out throughout her life. And she's still alive, by the way. I should open with that. She's still alive to this day. Um, so this, so she's in the, in New York in the seventies, sixties and seventies. And she was in June 28th, 1969 at the Stonewall Inn, which many, many people probably know the Stonewall riots. A lot of people credit that as being sort of the galvanizing moment for the LGBTQ civil rights movement. And she was part of the riots. Like she like was fucking some cops up and actually got knocked out and woke up in a jail cell the following day. Oh my God. And she has been, I won't talk about it too much, but she has been very outspoken about how whitewashed the retelling of Stonewall is and how trans women didn't get very much credit as a part of that riot. And to hear her tell the story, she's like, we were the ones who were fighting. Like, we were the people who were jumping out of the back of the cop cars we had been forced into and were beating the shit out of the cops. And so I would be remiss not to, to say that because she's been very outspoken about how not true the retellings of that story have been. So she was, like, right in the thick of it, dude. And I love it. She's talking about it in one of the interviews I read of her. And she's like, my favorite part is we literally had girls jumping out of the back of the paddy wagon. 
Like they had thrown us in a cop car and we were like, fuck this. And we jumped out and the bar and the police ran into the bar they were raiding and barricaded themselves inside so that we couldn't get to them. That's how she tells the story. Oh my God. Which I just love that imagery. That she's like that they're like, you know what? No, not today, bitch. Not today. Not today. Not Satan. today. Not today. She's not super politically active until a friend of hers, a, another hooker or sex worker, or however they like to, you like to identify, is is basically murdered. She's found dead in her apartment, and it's to hear Miss Major tell the story. It's very obvious that she was murdered by a, by a um, by a trick, and very nice. And that was that was kind of the moment. So it, so the police just ruled it as a suicide, even though it was pretty obvious that it was a homicide because this was a trans person. Nobody gave a shit about them. Um, yeah. And she talks about that moment as being like her awakening. And she really starts taking care of the other women, trans women who are out on the streets with her. And they kind of develop like this informal policing system where they realize nobody's going to take care of them. So they start having a system so they can take care of themselves. So like noting down the license plate numbers of the cars that girls are getting into, um, making men get out of the car so people can see what they look like in case that woman never pops back up again. Just like all of these different things that they would do to kind of keep track of who was going with who. So in case their friends all of a sudden disappeared, you know, like they could try to figure out what happened to them because nobody else gave a shit. Um, and I'm trying to find this quote. So I, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I mostly write my notes down on paper like an old grandma. But this week I put them in a Word document and I'll never do it again because it's like 17 pages long and I don't know where anything is. Um. <laughs> I'll have to show you how I organize my notes because yeah. it's been working for me. <laughs> teach me your ways i don't understand anything okay here i found it you guys i found it so the, her friend who was murdered was went by the name of puppy and oh! miss major says that I is know. so cute i know miss major says puppy's murder made me aware that we were not safe or untouchable and that if someone does touch us no one gives a shit we only have each other we always knew this but now we needed to take a step towards doing something about it so i started looking out for myself and the girls who worked on the street with me we girls decided that whenever we got into a car with someone another girl would write down as much information as possible we would try not to just lean into the car window but get a guy to walk outside the car so that everyone could see him so we all knew who he was if she didn't come back that's how it started since no one was going to do it for us we had to do it for ourselves that's so scary i know and if you've ever this is a good plug if you've have you ever seen the documentary paris is burning no i haven't so i highly recommend everyone watch that film it's really about like the ball vogue scene in new york city but as a part of that which miss major was also a big part of there were a lot of trans women gender fuck gender queer just like everybody was up in that scene and a lot of those people were sex workers and so even though the movie is more about the ball and vogue scene it ends up inevitably going into sex work as well because that was just such a big part of that and i won't ruin too much of it for you but i highly 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 recommend everybody watch it i want to say it was from the 80s super good just lgbtq like classic documentary that everybody should watch i think a lindo made us watch it for extra credit in, in school 
Uh, I think I didn't get to see that. Yeah. Or I just like obviously probably ditched that. It, it was extra credit. So, you know, my <laughs> we know damn well I didn't do it. I had like an A plus. I was like, I'm going to watch it just to be safe. Because that's the kind of fucking <laughs> student I was. If I wasn't blacked out on Carlo Rossi, I was doing every extra assignment. Um, that's how you do it. So, so she ends up in the 70s being like in and out of prison because she's just, again, just kind of doing what she needs to do to get by. She's um, robbing people. She's robbing Johns, which like I'm all about it. Just rob the fuck out of those people. She ends up in and out of jail for, I've heard like mixed things. I read it anywhere from three and a half to five years, depending on the source. Um, but she ends up going to Attica prison which I've never heard of, but this is like, do you know about the Attica riots? No. I don't know why I never learned about this. So this was, again, I think in the 60s or 70s, there were these riots at Attica Prison that was somewhere in New York, like upstate New York, where the prisoners basically took over the prison and held some of the prison guards hostage and made demands. Like, they weren't even demanding to be released. They were just demanding better treatment in the prison, which is wild. And it ended up culminating in, like, basically the National Guard came in, a bunch of people got shot. It was nuts. But she ends up at Attica Prison after that happens she's even though she's trans she's jailed with the men because she's biologically male and they're like fuck you whatever so question which maybe i don't know if you know this info yet but so has she always um like dressed in a feminine way so like is she biologically male but is wearing women's clothing publicly like always I mean, it sounds, she doesn't say at what age it starts, but it sounds like it started very, very young. Like, basically, as soon as she could, like, by the time she was 12 is when she actually told her parents what was going on. So, you know, presumably for years before that, she was, like, figuring this shit out. And when she, once she left her um, parents' house, she started taking hormones which she was like basically getting off the street because at that time that was really hard to get your hands on through medical providers and probably still is um in many cases but she told them that in the in the documentary i mentioned called major she talks about how she came home so you know she's taking these hormones and she's growing boobs and she comes home and she flashes her mom which like first of all you didn't have to do that but that's hilarious she flashes her mom her tits and her mom passes out like faints onto the floor that was <laughs> great and she was like i was like oh my god i can't believe she just did that <laughs> that's so amazing so she goes to prison at, at attica prison and she meets um i think he goes by frankie black is the name here it is frank big blacksmith and he is a like very active um uh social justice advocate for black people and he basically kind of teaches her all about that so she knows like she has her experience kind of rooted more in the trans piece but he really gives her um kind of like shows her the ropes of community organizing of like incorporating race work into her trans sex work and just like intersectionality and all that shit like she basically like he becomes her mentor in that way when she's released in the mid-70s she really becomes super active she ends up doing a lot of different things um so she does a lot of work around aids because that comes around in the in the 80s she does a lot of work around um the prison industrial complex and trans people but here's what's like so weird and then i shouldn't sorry not weird but like i thought this was wild 
she actually has a has a child with a woman like she develops i i want to say it was in her 30s like a romantic relationship with one of her best female friends and they like have and raise a child together and like yeah it's wild and then in the documentary they have her son is in there his name is christopher and he refers to her as daddy it's so interesting. He's like, you know, like at this point, he's like in his 30s or whatever, 40s. And he's like, oh, yeah, like daddy, like daddy's always been so great to me and like blah, 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 blah. It's just so, I just love it. He, so like in those years, they show him, um, or excuse me, they show Miss Major holding Christopher as dressed as a man. But she has breasts because she's on hormone therapy. So she's like, it's just like so fucking cool. She's like this man with tits holding a baby. (laughs) It's just like fucking incredible. I love it so much. Um, So they have a kid together. They move out to California together. And then they end up splitting ways. um, And the mom actually moves back to New York. And Miss Major basically raises their kid. And what's really interesting is that, like, to this day, so that woman, the, the mother is in the documentary, her name is Deborah, oh, was it Brown? I forget. But she's like, no, like, literally, she is the best father that any child could ever want. And that's exactly what Christopher said, too. He was like, I was the most loved child. Like, she's so loving. She's so caring. And again, just like, she goes through all this shit and still just seems to have this, like, limitless supply of love for people. It's so incredible yeah. to me. She ends up in in California in the 80s, um, and she makes the AIDS epidemic her, like, main cause. Um, she ends up moving to San Francisco and I heard, I've heard two different accounts in two different articles. So some people say she started the Tenderloin AIDS Resource Center in 1990 and some people said that she just worked there. I don't actually know the truth, but she's down in the streets, like literally like on street corners, giving condoms to people, just like whatever she can do. This is 1999. People are fucking dropping like flies in San Francisco. So that becomes a big, her big cause. And then once, you know, once the AIDS epidemic subsides to some extent it's not gone she really takes on trans women and trans folk in the prison system because trans folk as you i think mentioned when you did your laverne cox episode because laverne cox came at katie Corrick with the attitude and the facts oh hell yeah trans people are like two at least twice as likely to be um incarcerated as like cis people Um, often because they're turning tricks to get by. Like I said, they have to operate in their own economic system. And also because they're just targeted more, especially if they're visible like she is. And I won't, you know, like I don't want to make this too depressing, (laughs) but definitely watch Major. They go into the experiences of trans women in prison, and it is so worth listening to. It's so worth watching. They're so much more likely to go into solitary confinement because people just don't know what to do with them. They're much more likely to get raped in the prison system. Like, it's just all kinds of shit. So she... So you need to watch freaking Orange is the New Black. I know. Because literally (laughs) that entire series is about a trans woman in prison. I know. (laughs) And I mean, obviously, like, you know, it it isn't a true story, like, in terms of this exact person was in jail and here is the story. But I think they do a really good job portraying some of the challenges they do go through. Okay, fine. Give in already. Given. Uh, uh, fine. I'll be a sheep. I'm just kidding. I, everybody says it's amazing. I'm sure it's amazing. So, yeah, she, you know, she ends up, 
you know, she's living her life in California. I won't go through every single thing she's ever done. But she ends up in 2003. She starts working for a um, Bay Area organization in Oakland called TGI Justice, which stands for any day now I'm going to find it Transgender Variant Intersex Justice Project or TGI Justice. And eventually she becomes its executive director. And she it is the first and perhaps only social justice organization that is founded and ran by trans women of color, which is really cool. And so she ends up stepping down from that in 2015. She retires and she, I fucking love her so much. She moves to Little Rock, Arkansas of all places after living in California for decades. And I was reading this article. I think it was an SF gate. I probably just lied about that, about her leaving. She decided like after the election, basically she decided to move after the presidential election in 2016. And her reasoning was, we more or less have it together here in San Francisco and I want to go where I'm actually needed and trans women and trans women in the South need me. So this bitch just moves to Arkansas. Oh my God. (laughs) Like, and she started this, um, the center. Um, it's still kind of new, but she calls it house of Gigi for short, but it is called the Griffin Gracie educational retreat and historical center. Something I really loved about her as I was reading all of these articles and interviews with her is how eloquent she is. The way she uses language is actually really beautiful. So here's a quote of hers um, that I just like really loved. I've had my ass kicked by strangers. I've also been chased but not caught. You learn how to run in heels. But even if they don't catch you, the fear is with you. It doesn't leave. I've been waiting for a bus and had guys drive by and throw beer bottles at me. And I felt the shards of glass rain down on my skin. It's not always physical contact. There's mental, spiritual, and emotional abuse too. The physical abuse you can get over, but if you say something to me, I will think about that every time I look in the mirror or see someone who looks like you. It's a cloud that follows you, and let me tell you, it rains. Just like the, isn't that crazy? Just like the way, and that's, I mean, like I could literally spend a whole day quoting her to you, but just the way she says things is so powerful and poetic. Yeah, it's super poetic. It's so beautiful and like so on point. Here's a, here's a quote of hers where she's talking about how so many trans women end up, um, and so many traumatized people in general end up in addictions. She's, and this is her talking about drugs. They offer a sense of escape and fortification. The drugs lie to you, caress you, make you feel things that aren't really happening. They're like a lover you can't afford. Whoa. Just like, I don't think she has a book, but somebody needs to, girl, if you're, Miss Major, if you're around, I need you to please write a book. I will do whatever I can to help you because your shit is amazing. Again, highly, highly, highly recommend everybody watch the documentary Major. So it's Major with an exclamation mark at the end. Like I said, you can find it on Amazon Prime. It's directed by Annalise Ophelian. It talks a lot because at that time, at the time it was being filmed, she was working for TGI Justice. Um, and it talks a lot about trans folk in the prison system. So it's just like got a real, a ton of information that you might not know, but you should. I took this information from, S- it's the Scholar and Feminist Online. So it's a web journal published thrice a year by the Barna- Barnard Center for Research on Women. And this article was written by Jessica Stern. Physical and sexual abuse against transgender people in prison is rampant. A study by the Center for Evidence-Based Corrections showed that while 4% of people in men's prisons in 
California reported experiencing sexual assault, 59% of transgender women in prison reported experiencing sexual assault, meaning a transgender woman is 13 times more likely to be victimized. According to the same study, 75% of the transgender women who reported being sexually assaulted in prison reported that it occurred more than once. Given Given people's reluctance to report sexual abuse, we can surmise that these numbers must be conservative. Um, so I didn't like, I don't want to bring everybody down, but if I'm going to be talking about this woman who's fighting for these rights, I need to be talking about those things. And I also, I'm going to wrap it up on this. That being the case, I felt like, it's cool that I'm talking about her and it's cool that I'm making her story known. And it's cool that we're talking about trans women, but I feel like it would be kind of shitty for me to just sit and talk about it as a podcast episode to get listeners. So I just felt compelled to make a donation and I'm not, there's a point to this. I'm not just tooting my own horn, a donation to the TGI justice organization that she used to be the executive director of. I also found, um, because you have to understand this woman is like a community organizer and all of these things. She's not on a pen, like she doesn't have a pension. She doesn't have a retirement plan. She's older, she's sick. And there is a GoFundMe page for her called Miss Majors Monthly Giving Circle, where if you feel so inclined, you can contribute to her kind of like in the last few decades of her life. I also made a donation there. And I'm just going to go ahead and say this to anybody listening, like love allyship, you know, keep talking about trans folk, keep representing and going out in the streets. But if you really want to be helping these people, give them your fucking money and I know in the name of Miss Major I know if she were to listen to this podcast and listen to me talk and talk about how all this work is great and not actually do my own part in it she'd come and kick my fucking ass and so I was like let me do right by her and give my money to these causes and I would highly highly recommend that you do the same thing it's great if you're like advocating for it online or if you're voting for candidates that support those things or if you're out in the streets but in my opinion and in a lot of people's opinion the best thing that you can do to support these communities is to give them your fucking money and I would highly encourage you to do so and that's that's the story of of Miss Major and yeah and that's Um, that I was thinking hopefully um we can possibly provide like a link to a donation page yeah whether that be on like our Instagram um bio once we once we've launched the episode we can include a link so people can, can I go and think do some we shit. might be able to do it in the episode description too. Okay. Well, maybe hopefully we'll we check it out. You know, whether, whatever, you know, it doesn't have to be both of those things. You know, there are plenty of organizations around this country. You can just Google it where you can support these, these women and men and however they identify. And also just like find someone in your community and support them. Like, are they transitioning and they need help fundraising? Like you can kick some money at that. You know, there's so many different ways. So I highly encourage y'all to do that. And God bless Miss Major. She is literally my new fucking heroine. I fucking love her. Awesome. I'm super stoked. I'm really happy that you covered her. So what do you think? What is her sign? Okay. So number one, she has to be an earth sign. No. What? Uh, That's that's not at all. Why do you say that? That's not all my first guess. Um, well, especially when you went into, like, one of your last comments about her, how she's able to be, like, super strong and super with it while also being able to, like, 
be mm-hmm. loving and caring. Like yeah. I feel like earth signs in general, they like handle business. They're grounded. They're like rational. They're stable in like every extreme possible. But they yeah. also are like have a warm side to them. They if do. you're if you're able to receive it. Uh, I love it. So you know. uh, my first guess would have been Earth sign, and then my actual guess was going to be Virgo because you said she was like such a nurturing mother, mm-hmm. and I was just getting Virgo feels anyway. Okay. Um, she just seems like a hard worker, and they're like the mother of the zodiac. And I don't know. I just I, I don't know. That w- that was the vibe that I was catching. But if she's not any Earth sign, so she's not an Earth sign. Can I tell you what I thought she was? What? I thought she was a Gemini. Well, also, when you said that she is really eloquent and great communicator, mm-hmm. I, that was also stance for Virgo. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I but think then the I other... also thought Gemini as well. If she wasn't a Virgo, it would be Gem. The other, really? The other reason I thought she was maybe Gemini is because she has, like, these two facets to herself. You're going to fucking flip when you find out what she is. Hold you on. Want, do you want to guess? I'm not ready. I'm not ready. But So she's not an Earth sign and she's not a Gemini. She's not an Earth sign and she's not a Gemini. Um, I mean, I don't know, but I'm going to just throw out a guess and go with, is she a Scorpio? Yes. Oh my God. She's a fucking Scorpio. October 25th, maybe, depending on who you ask. But she does say she was born at the end of October, even though she's not sure what her birthday is. So oh that's a Scorpio. Oh, my God. I was so... You know what, though? I was like... <gasps> but then I was like, that does make sense, because even though I talk mad shit about Scorpios, Scorpios and Gemini have so much in common. And it's like... It's partially why I think I hate them so much, because they just <laughs> remind me too much of myself. And if you are, like... If you're a grounded Scorpio, like... You can be, like, that makes sense to me, actually. Like, she's just, like, a very high-level Scorpio. Well, also, so, like, I mean, the fact that that was even my my second guess and it was right, I'm shocked. But the only reason why I picked that was because I was really trying to think about, like, all the things she's done and, like, what she stands for. And I was literally just reading about Scorpios today, and I think that's the only reason why it came to my mind you know they're typically the sign of like transformation as which Mm. like goes along with their tarot sign the Mm -hmm. death card Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's the idea of like transformation when one thing ends and new begins and when you had said that like she left san francisco to go to arkansas because san francisco didn't need her anymore it kind of feel it felt kind of like that idea where like she's always looking to transform and change and to be evolving constantly totally and so that's kind of why i threw that out there and i and then just the fact that she's so nurturing and loving, I feel like that's such a water sign thing. Totally. But she's not bitchy enough to be a cancer. <laughs> um, Are cancers can, bitchy? I don't just know. moody. Just like They're moody assholes. Moody. They're very moody. <laughs> fucking crabby, moody, like always going through like fucking sh- phases. It's just like, ugh. You know what I love about us is how we talk shit about every single sign but Gemini and Virgo. <laughs> Everybody's gonna be like, fuck you guys, not listening to this shit anymore. <laughs> but our Gemini and Virgo fans gonna be real strong. Real strong. <laughs> I also thought like Scorpio, once I found out she was a Scorpio, that made sense in that she can be really tough. Like she's mm-hmm. not a she's not a bitch. Or like I get like she can be, like she can deploy it, like she can use that that spike tail when she needs to use it. 
And that's so Scorpio. All right. All right. Is it, is it me? Yeah, I can't wait. Okay. All right. So I today am going to cover somebody who I absolutely love um, watching in the entertainment world. I feel like I'm going to scream, so I'm going to lean back. I don't know. I actually I don't know what your response will be to this. Um, but today we are covering Rebel Wilson. Oh, okay. I don't know that much about her, but I know who she is. I'm ready. So for those that don't know, the brief summary is that Rebel Wilson is an Australian actress, writer, comedian, producer, and singer who's most notably like recognized from Bridesmaids and Pitch Perfect, which are her like two biggest claim to fame roles. But um, Miss Rebel Wilson has an interesting life. Okay. And, you know, it, it, it's, in, it's interesting. I've really enjoyed uh, covering her because, you know, she's kind of newish in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not super new. Bridesmaids was released, like, a long-ass time ago, 2011, I think. So it's been, it's been a while. We're but, old. Um, Fuck. <laughs> Um, but I mean, she's newer and, you know, most people, when they think of Rebel Wilson, they just think of this, like, you know, uh, plus size actress comedian who's absolutely hysterical, who's from Australia. Mm -hmm. Like, that's kind of all you know. You get the lighthearted side of Rebel and you really just know her as like the funny girl. But she has an interesting, interesting life. Um, so it, it, it kind of put a new perspective into like who she is, which is why I love what we do yes! because it just like, you know, it really helps open your eyes about like all these different layers that people can have and how, you know, we aren't always introduced to all aspects of people, especially people in the spotlight. We get mm-hmm. what the media shows us, but there's so much more to them. And once you learn those things, you can really appreciate them and their life and their career so much more. Can I just so, say, yes, I fucking love this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast has two greatest fans and they're us. Gemini and Virgo, of course. Of course. Um, okay, so Rebel was born in 1980 in Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. Her parents were professional dog handlers. Yes. And they often packed up their four children and they would travel across country to sell canine products from a caravan that Rebel has like more times than once described or compared to as basically the life of a carny. Whoa. <laughs> That's wild. It is wild. Um, during her childhood, which I guess when they weren't carny dog selling across country, when she was actually like in grade school, she attended a like private Catholic all girls school. She was extremely smart and she was surprisingly really shy when she was young. Hmm. Uh, After she graduated high school, Rebel went to South Africa as a youth ambassador for Australia, where she contracted malaria. What the fuck? (laughs) So this is where we get started into all that is Rebel. She has made several claims and has told this story in millions of interviews that 
during a malaria-induced hallucination, because she was, like, legit in intensive care in Africa. She was probably, I mean, I know their school system's different, so I don't know exactly what age she was. Don't don't they have high school for, like, two years and college for, like, two years? I don't know. But she was probably pretty young. She was probably still, like, a teenager. Um, so she, she like was in the intensive care with malaria and she tells the story that like during one of her hallucinogenic malaria induced flip outs, um, she saw herself winning an Oscar. Uh, I'm already, uh, yes, yes. Oh, I'm uh. not done. Ah! Sorry. Go. And as she won the Oscar in this vision that she had, she went up onto the stage and she gave an acceptance rap instead of a speech. Please let this happen. Please let this happen. Please let this happen. Please let this happen. She took that as a sign to become an actress. I'm already obsessed with her. <laughs> also, like, she had this hallucination of her future while she was an ambassador. Like, what was she... What was she ambassading? I think because she was in, like, one of those, like, good school programs in high school. And you know how they, like, send kids places to, like, do shit or, like... Which is already super cool that she managed to do that while being a road carny. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So they sent her ass to South Africa. She got malaria, had a hallucinogen malaria experience, and realized she needed to be an actress with her life. Fuck yeah. And again, it doesn't end there. So after this whole experience went down, she ended up going to college and she attended the University of New South Wales and she graduated in 2009 with a Bachelor of Arts in Theater and Performance Studies. But she also got a law degree just in case her acting career didn't pan out. I feel like I'm being personally attacked by her. Because she's already done so much more than me. But you know what? In other countries, their school system is yeah. different. And they are able to accomplish more because it's not it's not encompassing so many years of their lives. I don't think that they have that two years of college where you're, like, figuring out what yeah. you want to do. Yeah. It's like, right, you're doing, that's what high school is. High school is the figuring it out. And yeah. then you go to college and you just do it. Where we have, like, all this fucking diddle-dallying around for our yeah. whole damn lives. Fucking doing cartwheels and art class and PE. And, like, we're not getting shit done. And, like, I feel like in other countries, their school systems are, you know, made to, like, get people to where they need to be sooner. So she also studied at the Australian Theatre for Young People, which, like, the minute I read that, I had, like, a flashback to fucking Derek Zoolander. <laughs> like, remember, remember that, like, school he was going to create? And it was like, how are they going to fit in the school? <laughs> <laughs> it was like the theater or the Australian theater for small people. Or, like, I can't even remember, but, like, I read that and all I could get was fucking Ben Stiller. And I just, like, I haven't been able to get past it yet. <laughs> I told you I would cry this episode. <laughs> So, yeah, she studied at the Australian Theatre for Young People and became known for creating and starring in her own comedy theater production. Yes. In 2003, she moved to New York after winning the Australian Theatre for Young People International Scholarship, which was funded by Nicole Kidman. 
Uh, she later moved back to Australia and she landed her first screen debut in a series called Pizza, where she played <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> where she played a girl gang leader. She <laughs> fuck yes to all of that. Uh, she continued to take roles in several TV and film pro- uh, film projects in Australia until around 2011 when she decided to move to Hollywood to sign with a talent and literary agent, William Morris Endeavor. So once she got to Hollywood is when she made her official big break, um, and that was landing a major role. Well, actually, it wasn't really a major role, but her breakthrough role, which was um, in the comedy film Bridesmaids, mm-hmm. where... You had to have seen Bridesmaids, right? You're going to get so mad. Oh, my God. Don't. Don't. I don't watch things that don't have to do with murder. Bridesmaids is honestly, like, one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my entire life. And she plays, um, she plays the, like, super weird, creepy roommate of Kristen Wiig. And, like, Kristen Wiig is the main character. And so she's just, like, super fucking weird. But it's perfect. Like, it mm-hmm. couldn't be more perfect. So that was her first, her first big role. And then from that point on, she continued to land major roles alongside big-name Hollywood stars, which led to her shining moment in 2012, which was a year later. Like, sh- that one role in Bridesmaid literally, like, made her entire future. Yeah. So, and then in 2012 um, is when she landed her role in the musical comedy Pitch Perfect mm. um, as her very famous and well-recognized character, Fat Amy. <laughs> Have you seen Pitch Perfect? Girl, what are you? I'll, I'll give you one guess. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you will love her character. She's so good. Again, another movie that you have to watch. But um, so every that that's been her biggest like role that has really like helped her career expand. Um, and then from there, she's gone on to appear alongside Mark Wahlberg, The Rock, Jack Black, Angelina Jolie. She's just like fucking killing lives at this point forward. Um, but it was around the time that Pitch Perfect 2 was released that Rebel found herself in the middle of some media drama. Um, and I'm about to, about to tell you all about that. <laughs> so, what happened? The Aus- so, the Australian okay. tabloid magazine. Wait, can I ask a question? Sorry. Oh, sorry. Go how old it. is she? How old is she? Like when this drama starts? Just so I have. How old is she now? Which is so funny. You're literally asking this question because that exact question is what has 100% kickstarted the drama that she got herself involved in. Okay. 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 So I will. will I'll tell you. But let okay. me tell you this first. Kay. So basically, like right around the time that Pitch Perfect 2 was being released, which probably was in 2014, maybe 2013, um, the Australian tabloid magazine called Women's Day, which it's like so fucking ironic. A magazine called Women's Day is trashing a woman. Congratulations, Great. fucking idiots. Way to so, suck. So they publish multiple stories in their tabloid magazine that accuse Rebel of lying about her age, about her name, about her childhood, and various other details of her life. They branded her a serial liar, and they claimed that she fabricated almost every aspect of her life. 
Okay. These claims come from a lot of the interesting stories that Rebel has told in several interviews. And some of these include the following. Um, That she was raised by a dog training parent in the ghetto of Sydney. That she spent a year in Zimbabwe or Zimbabwe. Is it Zimbabwe? I think so. Yeah. Okay. That she climbed into a cage with a leopard. Oh, oh, okay. That she got caught in a shootout. (gasps) And then that she was struck down by a severe strain of malaria from a mosquito in Mozambique. And that from her intensive care bed, she envisioned herself winning an Oscar and wrapping her acceptance speech. Okay. Her, her age was also incorrectly given at one point in time as 29 years old, which she would later admit was something she chose not to correct. Hmm. That like some somebody somewhere said she was 29 and she just said, okay. Basically. How, are you going to tell me how old she was or that is that coming? Um, it's coming. Okay. So basically Women's Day called all of these things into question and they claimed that she had a very normal upper middle class upbringing and that she basically added a touch of fantasy to the life that she led prior to becoming famous. Okay. Like she basically made up all these stories to help make her more relevant and interesting that would then make her famous or likable at least so the story was picked up by several other publications which included the chicago tribune and the huffington post so like it made its way out of australia and came to the united states and other publications picked up on this like all this these lies the serial lying and they spread it all over the united states and after that happened rebel claimed that the articles severely damaged her film career and cost her lead roles so she sued bar i think it's i think it's pronounced bauer okay i think it's bauer media australia so she sued them for defamation Mm -hmm. Um, she felt that the only way to stand up to the organization was basically by taking it to court publicly. So Rebel told the court that she never lied about her life and that she knew the identity of a former schoolmate who gave the dubious information to journalists. And the same person is who Bauer Media claims was an anonymous plug. Mm. So like basically some bitch from her childhood like saw that Rebel was getting famous, reached out to this tabloid and was like, here's the truth about her. And they were like, "Okay, this must be accurate. Let's blast it all over the world. And it got spread like wildfire. And then Rebel's like, oh, I know exactly what cunt from my past said this about me. Fucking vultures, dude. But, like, you, like, I could imagine, like, I'm thinking right now, like, say in in five years, I'm making, like, millions of dollars, I am famous, I'm, like, in all these movies, like, I'm living in a mansion in Malibu, I can name at least three people that are out for my fucking blood. Bitch, I can name, like, 24. I mean, for (laughs) real. Like, we've, 
we've had many lives and we've burned many bridges in those lives it's just a matter of time so yeah she basically was like oh i know who did this I and like what she knows exactly. <laughs> she was like, "Oh, fucking Deborah! I remember Deborah. She yeah. always hated me." Yep. So she like literally sat in court on the on the stand and was like, "I know exactly who fucking spread these lies about me." And so they they went to court and it was a big fucking battle. Um, and basically, like rebel. So she told the court, you know, that she never lied and that blah blah blah. This this anonymous plug happened, but Bauer Media like failed to prove that any of the articles were true. Wow. Or and they also like wouldn't acknowledge the fact that those articles were likely to harm Rebel's career. Like mm-hmm. they like they were like, oh no, we had no idea that like this could ruin her Shut career. Up. Like we don't know. Like we didn't know that that was a possibility. So. According to the judgment from the Supreme Court of Victoria, the publication orchestrated a campaign against Rebel that they knew would improve their views and hits, resulting in higher profits, even though they knew that the allegations were false. Sounds right. I mean, but also, like, what tabloid isn't doing that? Right. And, like, how is Rebel, like, the only, at least to my knowledge, the only person that's fought this? Do you know what I was just thinking? Don't f- don't fuck with a bitch with a law degree. <laughs> right? She was like, you know what? Exactly. So, so basically, like, Rebel ended up, like, telling the jury that she, after these articles went out, she was fired from two DreamWork films, and she missed out on several movie roles during 2015 and 2016. Okay. So, like, they fucked with her. Like, uh-huh. she, like, her career got fucked for, like, a solid two years. Yeah. She got fired from people that she'd been working with. Wow. And, like, so, right like, as she was getting all her power, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, basically, on June 15th, 2017, so literally, like, less than a year ago, uh, after a three-week trial in Melbourne, Australia, a jury of six women returned a unanimous verdict in favor of Rebel Reb- Wilson. Yes! She was awarded 4.57 million Australian dollars, Get which it. comes to 3 million U- US dollars. Yes, God. And uh, it was in damages for Bauer Media Australia for defamation. This was the largest defamation payout in Australian legal history, being four times as large as the previous record. Wow. Out of the total payout, 650000 Australian dollars were awarded for general and aggravated damages, and $3.9 million were for special damages for Mrs. Wilson's opportunity for new screen, roll, screen rolls lost by reason of the defendant's pop- publication. God, the more I drink, the more I can't read. That's fine. And also, fuck you, Bauer Media. <laughs> I mean, they had to pay $4 million. Good. <laughs> like, like, that's, like, the biggest mistake they could have ever made. Like, well, I wrote, wrote one shitty article, and now I have to pay $4 million for it? Like, how depressing is that? That's, yeah. I mean, but fuck you, that's what you get. Right. So after they, like, after they won 
the the lawsuit and they were in court and it was like rebel wilson you win blah blah so she like leaves the courthouse and obviously all these reporters are bombarding her and so during that moment um she basically is like standing outside of the courtyard and she tells the court reporters that she had to stand up to to a bully and like she thought of the tabloid as a bully and like this is me like I was being bullied so here I am I took them to court I had to stand up to them and that now that she's won the case she feels as if the stain on her reputation has finally been removed and she was quoted to say the reason I'm here is not for damages it's to clear my name I was hoping the jury would do the right thing and send a message to these tabloids and they've done that so for me it's over in my mind I'm a person that I'm a person that's really confident in my own skin and I really felt like it was the right thing to do to take this company on and prove how disgusting and disgraceful their checkbook journalism is. Mm, checkbook journalism, yes. Right? Fuck yeah, rebel. <laughs> so after she won that $4 million, she announced that she's going to be donating the da- damages to charities and the Australian film industry because the entire li- lawsuit and case was never about money. Ugh, I love her! $4 million she just got and she's giving it away. Girl, God bless. Girl, God bless. So the <laughs> best part, though, to me, which obviously is a joke... <laughs> but I can't help but make a joke is that like right after she won this case she posts a Twitter photo of like her and her entire legal team and it says like the caption says we won and the very first hashtag is legally blonde (laughs) do you know if she's like I love that you chose her because I didn't know any of this like I had no idea that she was in this lawsuit has she (coughs) Has she done any films since that happened? Like, is she still getting jobs? Um, so she just won this case last June. Mm-hmm. Um, in as far as like, is, has she been in any films in 2018 yet? I don't know because I really? don't have television. <laughs> so I like literally don't see commercials. I have no idea what's happening in the world. Um, <laughs> again, I mean, you can use my mother's cable login and I'm tempted to just give it out to our entire fucking audience. <laughs> Your mom's like, my cable box blew up. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Happy Mother's Day. But so when this lawsuit came like to surface, it was in the middle of Pitch Perfect 2 and there has been a Pitch Perfect 3. Okay. So and I've seen it. So she didn't get fired from that role and she didn't die in the end. Right. So right. I think she's still around. Oh, um, and I'm sure after winning that lawsuit, people are like, OK, that was bullshit. Like, whatever. Um, but just to wrap it up, a couple of my favorite quotes from her with which, believe me, are fucking fantastic. <laughs> So the first one, she says, she said this to an interview. I've only met Brad Pitt once. Well, I didn't really meet him. I kind of just stood behind him and smelled his hair. It smelled, (laughs) it smelled really good. (laughs) Creepy, I love it. The next one, she says, I'm from the ghetto side of Sydney. We don't really do drive-bys. We just do drive-throughs. She's out of control. (laughs) Okay, so the next three are, like, 
fire and there are things that she said while she hosted the mtv movie awards so like this was live on television in front of an entire audience and she said this as a host i'm so ready so she starts off by saying welcome to the mtv movie awards i am a bit surprised they asked me to host as was mtv i think they thought i was adele (laughs) no she didn't stupid (laughs) but she like kind of i can kind of see what she (laughs) so the next one she says if you're wondering why i was only nominated for three of the categories tonight it's because i don't swallow oh oh my lord (laughs) also like who doesn't swallow sorry Um, And then the last one, which is my absolute fucking favorite. She said this on stage when she was winning an award at the MTV Movie Awards. Like, it was her acceptance speech. She said, the only thing that would make this better is if Zac Efron took off his shirt right now and came and kissed me. Do you want to give me an Australian kiss, Zac? It's like a French kiss, but down under. (laughs) She's... I hope he did. He better have. He better have done that for her. Oh my god! Wow, that's great. Good job, Rebel. Great work, that wild woman. That's awesome. I'm so happy to know about her. And isn't she such a clown? Oh my god, I love like her her whole life. I just also love like what a weird life. What a weird life. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's crazy. And yeah, maybe she has stories. Maybe people can't prove that she was in a leopard's cage. Maybe people can't prove that she had that vision during a malaria, you know, induced fever. But like, who? no one can say that didn't happen either. I want to know more about the leopard cage. I think that had to have taken place while she was in Africa, obviously. <laughs> That's what they do. They just put you in cages with leopards. But you know what? I have seen so many motherfucking douchebags on Tinder with, like, tigers, so it's really, it's believable. I'm a tiger man, baby. Yeah. Okay, so what do you think her sign is? You know, I'm gonna say the same thing I always say. Gemini. (laughs) Yes! She's not a Gemini. Is she an air sign? No. She has to be a fire, is she a fire sign? Nope. Okay, she can't be a water sign. She's a water sign. No! (laughs) I mean, out of the three, which one's the weirdest? I was, it has to be Scorpio. It can't be Cancer or Pisces, is it? It's Pisces. She's a a Pisces. What the fuck? Would not have guessed that. Would not have guessed that. She's not ever Pisces. I mean, if all of those stories are fake, then it, yeah, she's a Pisces. She made them all up as a dream. <laughs> That's true. The malarial, the malarial manifestation moment is very Piscean. That's a good point. That's a good point. But like the goofball, like the goofball thing, makes me feel like she would have been an air sign, and that's also well, why. Yeah, and it would be interesting to see what else is in her chart because maybe, maybe it, maybe there is some more, some more nonsense going on in there. 
Thank you for sharing her story. And I want to know more. I want to fucking see her win that Oscar. Right? I want to see her win that Oscar, which is... And she has to rap, obviously. Oh, my God. I I will sue her in a court of law. I'll be like, oh, you think you're the only one who can do this, huh? Like, if she does not rap at that fucking acceptance speech, I will sue her. Um... That's interesting, though, because she does, like, only comedies, right? Right? I don't know. Yeah. She pretty much is always playing, like, a comedy role in every in every uh, movie that she's done. She did recently start doing voiceovers for, like, cartoon-type movies. Like, you know, those, like, Ice Age or, like, whatever those fucking cartoon movies are. Uh-huh. Uh, which I think are still comedy roles. But right. I did read in some of my research that she did want to get into more serious type acting so we'll see if she can do it that's what i want to say not that you can't win it but you kind of no. can't win an oscar for comedy like they don't do no. it yeah no they don't yeah girl i just i'm praying for it and i want to yeah. see her rap because the oscars would be so mad about it they'd be, <laughs> they'd so, be mad. so mad about it but they try to act in true oscar fashion they try to act like they weren't they're like oh yeah it's so fresh and exciting yolo get hyped and you'll be like it's 2027 you fucking morons like nobody says those things anymore <laughs> um let's wrap it up do we want to talk about a woman this week in our daily life that inspired us or made us happy yeah, you go first. So it's so hard because I don't ever ask people if I can talk about them. But I'll just say, I'll keep it vague. Uh, a friend of mine uh, this past week had, I love this shit. So she's younger. I forget it because she's very mature, but she's like 23 or 24. And she had like some experiences at work recently that were kind of shitty Um, even though like her bosses are cool or whatever, like she basically, they put her in these situations that were not cool, like where they didn't enable her to do her job well. And she actually like talked to me before she was scheduled to meet with her boss to talk about all, she had like a list of grievances and she's a Pisces and she can get very emotional when she talks about her feelings. So she was even almost like almost tearing up as she was talking to me about it because she just feels things so strongly. Melissa oh just made stank face. I <laughs> like I'm like are you speaking face. a foreign language? What are tears? Um <laughs> And so she was like, I'm going to go meet with my boss right now. And she was like, she knew. She was like, I know I'm going to cry and I hate it. I cry when I'm frustrated. It's not that I'm sad. It's just like I'm frustrated. And so I I just cry. Um, But bless her soul, she went and like gave, like threw her shit down and like told her boss what was up. And her boss like heard her and made changes as appropriate. And she texted me afterwards and she was like, I didn't cry. And now I'm eating a lot of cheese and bread. And uh and i can't i don't want to say her name i don't want to say her name but she knows who she is and if she's listening and it just really i love that shit where women handle their stuff professionally especially it can be so hard when you're frustrated in your job to say to someone like hey like you are like obviously you're in a position of authority over me but that wasn't cool and you need to not be doing stuff like that and especially when you're that young like I I at 23 24 like at this point in my life I'll say pretty much anything to my bosses but at that age like that would have been hard for me too um so I was just and it's kind of out of her personality to be that confrontational 
Um, so I was just really proud of her for doing that and very inspired. Yeah. Get your life girl. Round of applause for this mystery woman. Yes. Great work. You, you, who, you know who you are. Okay. Um, so for mine, like I, I have one and it, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about her, but again, I feel like every time like I talk about my life on this podcast, it's like so intense and I don't want to be that intense person with like all this deep shit happening, but like, sorry, bros, this is my life. But anyway, the, the woman that like has really, which I've talked to you about, but just making such a huge impact weekly for me is my therapist. I'm just like, I am so grateful that I was brought to such a low point in my life that I knew that I needed therapy and that I like took the plunge and did it even as scary and, you know, weird and like, oh my God, am I really here? Is this really where I'm at that I'm doing this? Like, you know, I had to put all that insecurity aside and just fucking go for it. And I couldn't be happier for the gift of my therapist that has yes. landed in my lap. And it's just like, I'm just so unbelievably thankful and grateful and appreciative of all of the insight she's bringing. And it's just like, you know, it, you know, a lot, like, as we all know, like, mental health issue carries such a stigma to it. And there are so many people that don't get the support that they need out of those insecurities. Like, I don't want to go to a therapist because then that means I had to go to a therapist. Like there's just mm-hmm. such a heavy weight behind that word and like the the action and the idea behind counseling and that like I'm at a point that I have to talk to somebody and get professional help. But like motherfucking shit, like mm-hmm. everybody needs to be doing that. Yes. Everybody. If, if you have if you have the resources, I understand that like America's not a game and it can be hard, but if you have access to therapy and you don't have to pay an arm and a leg for it, you have no excuse. Get and your ass everybody's in there. always like, Oh my god, therapy's so expensive. I can't afford it. Okay, that might be true, but and I had thought the same thing until I actually decided to contact my human resources department and say, hey, is this an option for me? And then I reached out to my actual healthcare insurance company who informed me that I only have to pay twenty dollars a session. Fuck which yeah. I pay more money than that on a Saturday night in the bar. So I think oh, yeah. that I can handle $20 a week. <laughs> more than like an hour at the bar on a Saturday. Like <laughs> 40 minutes, maybe. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm shouting her out. Not because, not even just because she's been such a huge help to me. Um, she's been like a friend through the process. But even on top of that, just the fact that like people dedicate their lives to have these types of careers to help other people is just like high five to them like that's like the real you know hero right now in this episode for me is like my woman this week is not just my therapist but like all of the therapists out there that went to school and are having these careers and every week have these clients and like listen to their lives and stories and literally 
help them, give them advice, give them feedback, walk them through it, remind them that they're worthy, remind them that they're lovable. Like, thank you for doing that every single day, every single week. High five. Because that's got to be hard. And Oh, my God. Yes, queen. Just, like, women healing women. I mean, anybody healing anybody, but in in the context of this podcast, like, fuck yeah, women healing women. And I have to, like, me being the person that I am, I want to share this quote, um to your point of like everyone needs to be in therapy and people have feelings about what that means. Oh, I have to be in therapy, blah, 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 blah. There's something so empowering. I mean, genuinely guys, this isn't fucking woo woo about going into your pain because that's where your power is straight up. Like if you can come to terms with your pain, there's this quote by the poet Rumi and I know how cheesy it can be to quote Rumi. Um, but there's this quote that I love that's, um, I'm I'm paraphrasing somewhat, but it says, um, keep your eyes on the wounded place. The wound is the place where the light enters you. And that quote is something that's always stuck with me because it's true. Like there's so much power in your pain. And if you just understand how to work with it and work through it, that's, that's exactly what's up. So fuck yeah, therapist who will not have a name for now. Fuck yeah, great work. Woo! And like while we're talking about it, my therapist is Tanya and she's a fucking, she's a riot and I love her. So thank you, Tanya. <laughs> great work. Yes. Yes. So get in therapy if you can, for the love of fucking God, please. This world <laughs> is so broken. So please do what you can to fix what you get. um i think that's a wrap let's wrap it up thank you so much for listening subscribe um leave reviews if you're nice send us wine anytime and uh, follow our pages follow our social well (laughs) any day now Um, somewhere on instagram or somewhere on facebook um just look for us you can just google our name i'm sure we'll pop up yeah and uh and stay tuned till next time cheers to the ladies we need a fucking sign off dude let's do a cheers Cheers. Click. Bye-bye. Bye.